14. All right, let's go. <laughs> Ask me about Star Wars Squadrons or <laughs> Operation Ace. Welcome. 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 Welcome to Uplink. We're, 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 we're jazzing things up at the Uplink podcast. We, we rebranded the show. We're doing all Star Wars video games. We're covering Battlefront. We're covering um, Squadrons. We're covering Lego Star Wars. Doing the whole gamut, past, present, future. Super excited. And today, joined by a friend of the podcast, Bombastic, Andrew. How are you doing? Hey, Sage. How's it going, man? It's good to be here. Thanks once again for having me on. I'm excited to take part. It's always great having you on the podcast. Let, let's jump right in let's talk about squadrons and operation ace so operations ace was the world's first star wars squadrons esports event and my my goodness it was so legit like what it was yeah some of the most fun i think i've ever had in a star wars game some of the most competitive fun anyway i've had like so little or basically no experience playing esports let alone star wars esports i don't think not sure they even exist perhaps apart from speed running yeah definitely being able to participate in this the excitement the thrill of the event um was like five hours long of just playing squadron straight trying to accumulate the most wins and you know go for other accolades it was um really intense and entertaining and so glad to have you on my team man Lots yeah, of fun. It was it was great to be a part of that. So growing up, we always played like we had a, a GameCube growing up. So we played Super Smash Bros. Mario Kart. Yes, Mario Kart. Don't don't uh, don't challenge me to a game though, Eckhart. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Please no. I'm good. <laughs> we we grew up in that 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 world, and when we moved to Colorado, we got involved in the super smash Bros. scene oh sweet so we would go to local tournaments uh there was a local hastings here and we we played some tournaments there my brother actually got uh i think second place on one and then the next one we went to he got i, th- I think one time he did get first place damn so he was pretty hardcore then he <laughs> is very good basically if there's a video game he can be good at it like very good at it <laughs> wow that's um, exciting damn yeah i'm nowhere near that level but it was super fun to be able to get back into that world, especially since Star Wars has never really had, at least to my knowledge, an esports game. And like you said, speedrunning, I think, is the only equivalent. Yeah, potentially. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe like some of the old, any of the old uh, Jedi games, like the Jedi Knight games. Did they have any sort of esports? I don't think so, though. I don't, like, not I don't from think memory. so either. So I want to get Star Wars Racer. Can we get an esports version of Star Wars Pod Racer? That I feel like I take every possible opportunity to mention Star Wars <laughs> Racer because it's one of my all-time favorite Star Wars games, and I just love it so much. Oh, definitely! So, like, I'm always name dropping around it, <laughs> but um, that would be amazing. Can get a pod racing experience. Hey, can we get Motive to make a pod racing game now? A first-person VR pod racing experience. That's the next. Yeah. you know, that's next level. Forget Squadrons. Let's go or, with that. Or you know who would be um, really good at a game like that? Criterion? Criterion. Is that who you're going to say? Yes. Yeah, true. They Could you imagine? the Starfighter Assault, didn't they? they? They built all the vehicles for Battlefront 2, and they do the Need for Speed games as well, don't they? They do. And they, they have such a way of like nailing the feel of a vehicle. I think they could do super well with like a pod racer, making it like super volatile. Like amazing. if you barely scrape yeah. something, up, you could explode at any moment. That's so true. Hey, I mean... That's one part of what we love about Squadrons, designed by Motive, of course, but it's like the collisions in that game feel um, 
you know, your ship has a real tangibility to it and just bouncing off, you know, space asteroids and whatever else is, mm -hmm. is part of the experience. Um, Getting completely demolished by the rocks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but even the original Star Wars Racer game, going back and playing that now, each pod has its own feel and mm -hmm. the way they kind of drag and, you know, sway side to side and are able, you're able to control them. They don't feel anything like a car, which I think is what's so um, unique about that game. They actually feel like you're driving or, you know, riding a pod racer. Yeah. And that is what makes it stand out and still hold up today. So updated version, let's get motive on the VR side of things. Let's get Criterion to build the vehicles. I'm game. Let's yeah. do it. That, that, that should definitely be the next game. And later on in the episode, we will be talking about uh, the future of Star Wars game and how Squadrons affects that. But the next thing I want to talk about, talking about gameplay and the feel of Squadrons and Star Wars games and uh, the Podracer game, how do you overall feel about the gameplay of Squadrons? Uh, honestly, it's something I hadn't had much experience with until I started playing. I'd never played any flight sim games, really. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'd never used a HOTUS joystick or anything like that. And I guess most of my piloting experience had either come from playing a game like GTA 5 where you're you know can get into different airplanes and ships and stuff or um, Starfighter Assault or the race the Star Wars racer game so um going into this and knowing that you're locked into first person you're having that immersive cockpit experience it was really kind of really fresh and unique for me and something I hadn't really had experience with before um, that said it did take quite a bit of time to get used to it I remember having these initial feelings during the play test before the game had been released and just feeling like it's really cool. And I love the fact that, you know, they're trying to give you this really immersive experience just sitting in the cockpit and you're kind of bound to that and you have such a limited field of view as a result of mm -hmm. that. But, um, you know, once you get the hang of it, it really becomes super satisfying uh, I predominantly play as the bomber class as well. Yep. So my ship is generally quite slow. Uh, there's been a few times where I've played in a bomber for hours and then suddenly I'll jump in like an interceptor, like an X-wing, uh, sorry, an A-wing or a TIE interceptor. And it's just like such a speed and maneuverability jump that I'm like, oh my gosh, this game is actually really fast and, you know, mm -hmm. intense when you're flying one of these ships. Um, so I think they've done a great job of creating a unique feel for each vehicle in each class and uh that is especially obvious in vr when you're actually able to look around the cockpit and you know be in the space of the cockpit that is where this game really you know picks up and it's just really strong i think yeah definitely it's really exciting i remember jumping my my first initial reaction before i got like really so first reaction, opening up, open up the game, like goodness gracious. I love the, the aesthetic of the game. I love the vibe of it. But when I jumped into a game, it's initially, it's, it's so frustrating right off the bat because it has the such high skill level or skill floor. Like Im immediately you are in a game. Like I was trying to play it like I was playing Starfighter Assault. And I think that that is definitely the wrong way to jump into Star Wars Squadrons. Like it's completely different. Like there is no really correlation besides some inspiration between the two. Um, but like, like you said, there's such satisfaction. It's, it's kind of has like a real 
once you learn the skills and you just spend a bit more time with each ship or even just choose one of the specific classes and kind of stick with it, I think that's when you can really start to get a benefit of, get the benefits of, you know, playing this game and feel each ship because um, just understanding kind of how all the different components and customization options work as well is such a big part of this. And, you know, that's what's going to improve your experience. I've been pretty much playing the same class for about a week yep. now just this bomber class it's like this real big heavy bomber it takes a lot of damage it's really slow but is capable of also dealing heavy damage to capital ships and kind of just learning how to play that one specific way i found has really vastly improved my experience of this game because it's locked me into learning how to do that one thing really well and from there, I'm going to be like, okay, well, maybe I could add this different component and try this out and then, you know, add this different customization option. And then maybe I'll try fly this different ship and, you know, take on a different role. But yeah, sticking with that ship, I think has really improved my fun with this game. And um, one other thing I wanted to say, like, I've kind of tried to balance my playtime between playing with friends and playing on my own. Mm -hmm. And I use the time on my own to kind of figure out how to improve kind of very specific things that i just want to like focus on in the moment do you know what i mean it's like in that moment i just want to focus on how does this one rocket work or how does this one component work and then i take that into a match with my friends when you're in a squad of five and actually you know experience it in the context of a team and that combining those two elements has made this experience more enjoyable for me um, because it's supposed to be played as a team game. And I think that's really where it, where it shines and where, it, you know, you get the most out mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. Like you, I have found the bomber and loved the <laughs> bomber. <laughs> like, I don't think, so the majority of the time during the, the tournament, we were, I, I think there were only a few times where we specifically planned out to where one person was certain class and we like planned out our squad a few times like that. Uh, but the rest, like if I'm just going into a random lobby, I'm going to pick the bomber because I just love the way it feels. I, I, I can get better control of things. Um, I still am learning the ropes in terms of maneuverability and getting the hang of boosting and charging up the shields and charging up the, the engines and the, the, the weapons and all of that but overall love the feel of the game like it it's so satisfying like we said it rewards you for trying different things and trying to be good at a specific thing um, and then getting into the the realm of customizations and making sure like hey the kind of bomber that I want to play can be drastically different depending on what I equip my bomber with so I think that's something mm. that we, we may yeah, get into in future episodes. But going forward, I want to talk about kind of what, they, what they've talked about with continued support. So originally they, they launched the game. They said, hey, this is going to be like a game in the 90s. You can pay $40 and you're going to get the game. That's it. Um, now that we've gotten the game, there have been a huge outcry for continued support. Uh, originally in an interview with uh, Upload VR, Ian Frazier has confirmed that the team is not treating Squadrons as a live service, which is a huge shame. Um, he says, we don't want to say it's almost done and then dribble out more of it over time, which, is a be which to be honest is how most games work these days. Uh, so we've tried to treat it in kind of an old school approach, saying you've paid $40, this is the game, and it's entirely self-contained. 
We're not planning to add more content. Mm. This is the game, and we hope you understand the value proposition, which mm. is a huge shame. What are you, what are your thoughts on on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it is a shame. I'm not sure how big the community outcry for more content has been in terms of numbers, because obviously you see a couple people, and you know, suddenly that equates to uh, just a very vocal minority. Possibly, well, you do have um, Sam really Whitwer, who is a huge oh, voice. He has. <laughs> gone to Twitter and promoted that he would love more content and he's a huge voice. Yeah, I retweeted that actually. That's true. That's very true. Um, the game honestly deserves it from a personal perspective. I'd love to see more content in the game. Uh, yes, they've taken a very old school approach with this and have never really written it off. Like I think Ian Fraser has been very transparent about saying that, yes, there are no current plans. hundred percent. There's no current plans. And this is a standalone, you buy the game, you got the game, mm -hmm. but you know, they don't want to rule it out because anything's possible. And if the game were to outperform sales expectations, which is something I'm really curious to yeah, see definitely. every quarter EA has their, um, what are they called? The, the earnings calls with all the investors where, the EA, the, basically the EA executives share how much the company has profited, how they're doing, how EA, you know, how many copies they've sold of each game. So when the one comes out for the quarter squadrons release was released in, I'm really curious to see how many people have actually gone and bought this game. They were estimating, I think three to 4 million people, um, for comparison, Jedi Fallen Order, they were estimating six to 8 million copies sold. And that game ended up selling about 10 million in three months or in that quarter. Mm -hmm. So fingers crossed this game will do similar, um, overwhelm their expectations and we'll get more content. Um, it's interesting as well, I think, how <laughs> how similar this actually is to some of those old X-Wing and TIE Fighter games from the 90s. In the weeks leading up to Squadron's release, I'd never played those games and I went back and played them and they do have like an even steeper learning curve than squadrons yeah. they're obviously much older games much more difficult much less accessible to the modern gamer even to back then i you know i mean i was only really young back then but yeah <laughs> i can't imagine having played those games and um it's it, it's interesting how many elements you know from the briefing rooms to being in first person only to some of the cockpit controls to even the mission objectives the inspiration that's been taken from these games is, you know, they're basically squadrons is basically a slightly more accessible updated version of those old X-Wing and TIE fighter games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think it channels <laughs> them very well. So I'm, I'm like you and I like a lot of people, a lot of creators, we're, we're super curious to see how well it performs. I mean, from a critic's perspective, it's doing very well. IGN gave it an eight out of 10, our podcast, oh, um, the, the last episode, I had friend of the podcast split screen and Ethan on, and we we gave our ratings and combined, uh, we gave it an eight point one six. So we we got it around it's that very point specific. <laughs> yeah, so we each gave it our ratings, and then I combined them and divided them by three, um, and eight point one six is what we came to. That's so cool. Damn, it's. It's a really good game. Like critically, it's doing very well. I will say there is a sad. Um, it's sad to see a vocal minority equate the release of Squadrons and the end of Battlefront Two. Like there was this games don't get made in a, in a couple months. 
Like this game was mm-hmm. in production since Battlefront 2 launched or before. And that was, we're getting around three years here. So they've, they've been developing the yeah. game for at least two years. I didn't actually know that. I know there was a lot of talk or like people were like commenting saying basically that this game was rushed and this game was just ea oh they're trying to get out another star wars game kind of thing and you know it's it's a broken rushed game and the game has launched as lots of you probably know um it does have several bugs and has had a few issues in the launch i've experienced a few i've had a few crashes a few other issues those are being sorted with um some patches that are dropping into the game but i don't think it's fair to say that this is just like you know pencil pusher kind of like let's just get another game out mm-hmm. and earn some cash you know yeah definitely this is an authentic very very um it's it's a very kind of yes much more niche star wars game than perhaps battlefront or even jedi fallen order but it's an experience that you know is so well worth the development cost and time mm-hmm. and has delivered such a unique experience like we've never had before the fact the entire game is in vr is you know astounding and if you have the vr headset or even if you don't have one i'd even recommend getting one for this because it's such a unique experience that you'll never you, you've never had you've you've definitely never had this 100 um, percent. yeah um one before we get into squadrons and the scope of like continuation of star wars games one thing i want to note is the correlations between Battlefront 2 and Squadrons, there's one clear one, and that was with Starfighter Assault, and how when it came out, it was a super solid game. Uh, gameplay was great. The feel of the, the the vehicles were awesome, but then there was no support, and that game mode died. Mm-hmm. Um, and now That's we're true. in the same position where we've got Squadrons. Great game, great gameplay. All of the vehicles feel fantastic, but no support. So it'll be interesting to see how that continue, how that lack of support affects the game going forward in the community. I think it's difficult to expect a game in 2020 and the, the way games are made now to have a game come out and not have any support and then still be viable as a community later on. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see that. I agree. But that said, Squadrons has such a, you know so much more depth than starfighter assault oh definitely. so much more customization such a deeper combat system you know the different classes all feel different the teamwork you know starfighter assault never had this kind of teamwork and this mm-hmm. kind of coordination required um so i don't know like you could compare the two in terms of saying yeah then neither were supported after launch but at the same time i think squadrons especially if it develops a, you know, a strong esports community or even like just a competitive community, yeah. even if it's not necessarily termed as esports. If the competitive side of this game is, I think, why why it's it's so um, such a memorable experience playing mm-hmm. it and, you know, getting together, like I said, you need to play this with friends, getting together with a squadron of friends or even just people you find online, like if you're in a Discord server and you join up with some people in there, like... You're going to have the most fun in this game playing with the squad and communicating and working out how to win, basically, and, you know, strategizing how to yeah. win. Um, that is an excellent so, point to be made. Um, yeah. Didn't yeah, even think about the It'll be interesting to see, though. Um, please, please, 
please add private <laughs> well honestly matches. Like, yeah exactly that's what that's a hundred percent what it needs for this game to have that kind of longevity it, if they could only update one piece of content into the game i would choose it to be private oh, 100%. matches no more new starfighters no new maps forget that stuff like let's just get some new let's just get the, the private matches yeah. game mode and enable people to you know play the game how they want have the tournaments have the esports have the competitive side of it mm -hmm. really just come to the forefront yeah, that that will be a game changer if they do add that that would make the the huge like squadrons is perfect for esports 5v5 boom you can have dogfights, fleet battles, what have you. But without private matches, it kills the viability of any furthering of the sport. So Yeah. Um, it's interesting as well, like when Battlefront 2 launched, this was one of the big biggest requests, basically. Apart from everything else that's going on. I'm not gonna get into that again. But everyone was always asking for private matches again, because you know, Battlefront 2015 had them and so many people use them. I used to use them to film the short films of Machinima I used to do. And I know so many people used to do other challenges in them. They used to, you know, just have private matches with their friends, heroes of spill and stuff, everything, right? Whereas this game, yeah, Battlefront 2 didn't have them. This game still doesn't have them. Maybe they'll, you know, maybe that'll change. I, I hope so. I hope so too. <laughs> Going forward, let's talk about how does Squadrons affect the future of Star Wars games. So we've had the gigantic game that is Battlefront 2, uh, huge, massive scope, three development companies working on it, um, but it also faced a lot of problems at launch like we, we just mentioned there. We've also had Jedi Fallen Order, which is a smaller story-based game. Very fascinating to see they under... it. it outperformed all of the expectations that was put on it before launch so it outsold all of those huge success critically as well but smaller scale game mode it had yes it had the the update later on to add the um jedi what was it the battle arena yeah the uh, combat challenges game mode yeah yeah there it is combat challenges and we also now have squadrons a very niche game as focusing on a subset of the community um, that was really discovered with the event of Battlefront 2 and how popular that game mode was, at least at launch. But my question is, do you think we will see more smaller scale game modes? Obviously, they don't have much of a, as huge of an ask in terms of development. They can be developed on a one to two year cycle like we see that Squadrons was. Do you, do you see the future of Star Wars games being something along like we have more releases of story-based games and then we have like, uh, an online game maybe instead of every year we have one every like three to four years um it's interesting you say that i remember us talking about this last time i was on the podcast with that got slider i was talking about kind of how you know squadrons or even fallen order potentially impacts or influences the future of star wars games uh a big thing that I keep talking about is how EA a few months ago said that they're going to double down on star wars games in the next few years uh meaning I guess they're going to be producing, you know, at least a game a year, right? If they've only released, what, four AAA titles mm -hmm. since uh, they took over the license in 2013, yep. which were Battlefront 1, Battlefront 2, Jedi Fallen Order, and Star Wars Squadrons. So four games in seven years isn't necessarily a lot, but when you look at the scope and scale of the games, perhaps it is because, you know, yeah. 
Battlefront when it comes 2 to gameplay map huge. building. Exactly. Um, that said, EA does have a you know vast amount of other studios at their disposal who could be working on other titles. So I think a lot of people hold them accountable to that and being like, you know, hey, where's you know where are the other games? We thought you were going to go crazy with this and just you know make as much as possible. So. It's going to be interesting to see. Like, I've kind of theorized that, yes, with that comment being made about doubling down, that they are going to make a lot of um, similar games to Squadrons and Fallen Order, perhaps more niche experiences, more, uh, you know, less less Battlefront 2-esque, less, less of the, this is the everything Star Wars game with a single-player mode, a multiplayer mode, with all different types of, you know, across all the eras and different types of maps and, game modes and starfighter assault and the heroes and everything it's like the everything star wars game whereas mm. squadrons is just the starfighter game jedi fallen order is just the jedi experience game um it'd be great to see like i guess a bounty hunter style game <laughs> i know there were a few that got cancelled over the past few years at other ea studios remember there was one at visceral that was supposed to be like a a uh, uncharted mm-hmm. inspired game who knows you know like well, do you remember in 2016, I think it was, we got that, there was this video dropped onto the EA Star Wars YouTube channel called um, EA Star Wars, A Look Ahead, I'm pretty sure is what it was called. Yes. And it was basically a video that showcased the work of all studios at EA working on Star Wars titles. And there was some stuff in there about Battlefront 2 at DICE. There was stuff in there about um, Galaxy of Heroes. There was stuff in there about the Old Republic at Bioware, and there was, yeah, the Visceral Studios, Amy Hennig project, and they kind of showcased that one as well. So that studio got shut down. That was at the Redwood Shores San Francisco office, which is actually the EA headquarters around the world. It's like the main location for EA. Um, So who knows man <laughs> i'm i know we all want more star wars experiences it, i wonder if it's also a question of their relationship with lucasfilm i wonder if lucasfilm are i don't know like did they want to keep producing more and more star wars games knowing that that's more star wars lore and content and stories like are they trying to limit that amount of thing are they trying to drip feed it to us so that we don't get tired of star wars mm-hmm. perhaps that's you know perhaps that's you know not true maybe that's just a stupid idea i'm just you know (laughs) coming up with but yeah like i hope we see more man so so okay we've got a new star wars game coming out this is all hypothetical we've got a new star wars game coming out but it's announced that it won't have any single player what is your reaction to it yeah i mean i'm fine with that as long as the multiplayer is tight enough that it you know it has the level of depth that is going to keep me playing and keep me consistent the same goes for, I mean, Jedi Fallen Order had no multiplayer and sometimes, yeah, I wish it did. It'd be great to get like a lightsaber versus mode, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? No, like it's fine. It's it's a fun experience in itself and like it's done really well because of that. Mm-hmm. I don't, it doesn't need multiplayer. What's interesting, I think, about um, Fallen Order though is when you compare it to a game that I think is somewhat similar in design, not necessarily in terms of world building and kind of the Metroidvania style of Jedi Fallen Order, but um, Ghost of Tsushima, I think, is probably one of the closest, you know, stylistic games to Fallen Order that's come out recently in terms of combat, swordplay, 
gameplay mechanics, platforming, um, and even though that's an open world game, whereas you know Jedi Fallen Order is kind of half open, half closed kind of thing, uh, I feel like. I feel like the developers at Respawn should look to Ghost of Tsushima for how they should be building the next Fallen Order because that game, I think, has taken that whole genre and um, really evolved it in a way that no one was really expecting with the different um, you know, combat stances, the different sword styles, even the open world, the exploration of the game, the fact that you're on this character's journey and you're progressing the story in a way that's almost similar to like a Red Dead Redemption style game. Yeah. Um, it's yeah it's really combined it and also in a few days from now I don't know when you're posting this sorry but <laughs> I think it's tomorrow even actually the um, Ghost of Tsushima is getting like an online co-op multiplayer game it mode is. that's dropping into the game so you know I don't know if that fits in the context of a Star Wars experience but um, there's just so many ideas out there and I think that's part of the reason why some of the Star Wars games in the past have been cancelled at EA because perhaps the ideas were just too audacious and too kind of grand for them to achieve in the time allocated. Maybe it was just like, you know, Star Wars has a notorious history of having cancelled games and a lot of that was to do with around the time Lucasfilm was being, sorry, LucasArts was being shut down and the whole transition and Disney merger was happening. But uh, I can't say... You know, it, it's hard enough to build a video game, let alone a Star Wars themed video game where everything has to fall into this universe that's pre-existing and, and heavily, there's so many ideals and heavily to, monitored. Yeah, exactly. To get approvals, man. <laughs> I remember when I asked uh, Dennis, when I got to interview him last year, I asked Dennis Branville, what's the hardest thing about your job? And in one word, what's the hardest thing about your job? And he said approvals. Mm. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Getting, getting stuff approved. Yep. That that's uh, understand like um, all of the stories that I've heard internally have been, uh, well, yes, it's wonderful to get to work on a Star Wars license, like it's a dream job. There are a lot of drawbacks to it. Um, let's say something along Apex Legends, like the amount of content and the consistency that they have with Apex Legends is completely different than anything that a Star Wars title could do. Because um, if, if let's just say there's a Star Wars Legends, which is Apex Legends, but Star Wars. To add, let's say you want to add Han to that. You have to get approvals. You have to make sure, like, what era Han do you want to add to it? Um, okay, the skin that he has, it has to be canon. Um, like, there are a lot of different things that you have to take into account when you look at a game like Star Wars or Apex Legends, like, you have to do certain yeah, things. Yeah, voice lines as well. That's another big one, I think. Mm -hmm. That'd take, you know, what can he say? What can't he say? What, yeah, what's he capable of doing? What's what's appropriate for Han? To, how should he appropriately act? How is he animated? What's his, you know, all of these things. Perhaps some of what you're saying with, I mean, Apex obviously has a live service, which is kind of what Battlefront 2 had with, you know, getting consistent updates into mm -hmm. the game. Um, but I think that's somewhat what a game like galaxy of heroes true yeah. has as well that's the mobile star wars mm -hmm. game that has copped a lot of criticism and i know a lot of people aren't necessarily pleased with its development yeah. um <laughs> and the lack of transparency between the developers and the games community but that game has had a live service for i think since 2016 and you know 
in a, in a style similar to Apex, I guess, does get new characters, new content drops, new abilities mm-hmm. added to the game that, yeah. you know, change the way it plays. And it's also not held up to that same standard of canon that uh, a game like Battlefront true. was held up to. Um, they have That's continually true. added updates to it, but it seems like they have two different viewpoints. Like there's the mobile game, which brings in an insane amount of money, and that's probably why they can do whatever they want to because <laughs> they are printing money there. Um, but because so it true. is a pay-to-win but, okay. game. Okay, yeah. That's true. Why does everything have to be canon, though? This is something yeah. I remember us talking about with Eck as well last time. Like, why can't we get a Star Wars game that is just for fun? Mm-hmm. Like, why does it have to fall into canon? Why can't it just be like another, you know, Force Unleashed yeah. style game where it's just ridiculous over the top? You got, you know, the combat game mode in that. Do you remember there, there was like that fighting Dude, battle arena yes. game mode and you could face off against like all these ridiculous matchups and stuff? Why can't we get a game like that? It's just for fun. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, it's kids playing with toys. That's what yeah. it is. That's the game I want. Still. 100% with you there. My goodness, it would be so much fun. Like towards the end, I'd say Battlefront really pushed into that. Like they they were able to catch their stride and like I think it would have been awesome to see if they were able to get another year of support into Battlefront. Um what where it would have been there. But like I love beating the crap of out of Darth Vader with BB-8. Like that's amazing. Like so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Like why not? Why not, right? It's an experience that you were never going to have and now that you've had it you're like yeah it's fun why wouldn't i want more of this style of thing it's ridiculous but it it doesn't need to be canon like you're playing an a sandbox game right it's supposed to push the boundaries and give you a new experience Mm -hmm. that that is a fantastic point to be made and let's save the canon stuff for the story-based games or even for squadrons like you know like that's a multiplayer tight game set in a specific era at a specific time in the Star Wars timeline with specific starfighters. Like, that's fine. I'm cool with that, right? Jedi Fallen Order, same thing. It's a Jedi experience set after Order 66 and the Clone Wars. And, you know, it's a single player story. Why can't we have a sandbox that we can just, you know, have fun in? Yeah, I know uh, with, with Battlefront 2015, when they were in the development um, of that and with the continued support with the season pass, they their response to a lot of the requests were, we can't add that hero because it's not canon to the original trilogy. And I think that was a right. detriment <laughs> to a lot of, lot of um, the stuff people wanted added. Um, but even though, like, you look at that and you're like, well... That launched and you can have stormtroopers without helmets that's not canon no you have palpatine was, on yeah. jakku <laughs> which that's not really canon he was ne- never there in like an official sense so that's true that was the f- the first video i made about battlefront the first star wars video i ever made was a public service announcement to all battlefront players to wear your helmet <laughs> in battlefront that was the video it was such yeah. a huge huge issue like it's funny to look at it now like being through battlefront 2's controversy and like like i love battlefront 2015 like it, it was such a fun time i loved love that era um and it's great to see when like the biggest controversy was that stormtroopers didn't have helmets and not like a huge loot box thing <laughs> i know right it's so true it's like a matter of authenticity mm-hmm. not like, oh, they're stealing our money. Yeah, simpler <laughs> times. Yeah. <laughs> That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Uplink Podcast. 
the number one podcast that covers everything from Battlefront to Squadron's past, present, and future Star Wars games. This is the rebrand of the Battlefront podcast. We thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support the show as we continue moving forward, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash uplinkpodcast, where you'll get an exclusive podcast, Uplink Plus. At the $1 a month level, you'll be able to get Discord exclusive features, as well as guide the content covered on the podcast and the show. And at the $5 a month level, you'll be able to get access to Uplink Plus, possibly, depending on how we run things, a weekly exclusive show. You'll at least get two episodes of it a month, and I'm thinking we'll up that to weekly soon. But so far, uh, I'm in the throes of editing two episodes for Uplink Plus, one with Andrew, bombastic guest of today's show, talk a bit about uh, the inside details of creating content for YouTube, and we also have another one that is with Mark Splitscreen and Ethan Daintrecat. That's a great way to support the show. It helps us to keep the lights on here and continue offering the show. A great free way to support the show is by leaving a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, basically anywhere you can leave a review. It's super, super helpful. Helps us, gives us feedback, and supports the show. Another great way, uh, free, is just sharing the show with your friends. It's greatly appreciated there. Also, we are almost, we're so close to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. We are at the time of this recording, 40 away. And we're almost there. Goal for 2020 was to get to 1,000 subscribers, and I think we can pull it off. We also stream every Saturday on our YouTube channel, and I believe the plan so far, in November or December, do a daily stream on our Twitch and YouTube channel. So keep an eye out for that. Definitely going to be some fun there. A link to Andrew's channel will be in the description of this podcast. As always, thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you.